This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. Hello, welcome to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, the founder of MrDad.com. Love and marriage are two of the greatest gifts that life has to offer, but too many marriages fall apart because couples don't fully understand the five stages of relationships. Because most of us have had hurtful experiences in past relationships, often going back to childhood, we develop an inaccurate love map that causes us to get off track when the stresses of life increase. In this part of today's show, we're going to be talking with Jed Diamond, who's one of the world's leading experts on midlife relationships. Over the course of more than 40 years of counseling men and women, he's found that too many relationships end when they could be saved. There are certainly some couples, no question, that shouldn't be together. And when one person leaves, it's really a blessing for everybody. But most couples just don't know how to make a marriage that works for both partners and lasts a lifetime. And things are only getting worse by the day. Between 1990 and 2010, the divorce rate among adults aged 50 and older doubled. The good news is that Jed's here, and he's going to be telling us about the keys that he's found to having a long-term successful relationship. I'm Armin Brock. We'll start talking about how couples can repair even the most damaged relationships and reweave the broken strands of marriage, and why the best is yet to come when Positive Parenting continues right after this. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brock, after this, from the MrDad.com radio network. school bus and classroom. I go to school with your children. We say the Pledge of Allegiance together. You see me around the neighborhood and you tell me that I'm a pretty good kid. Well, I'm one out of every five children in America and I'm struggling with hunger. This problem is closer than you think. My teacher tells me we can grow up to be whatever we want. I want to grow up to be someone who doesn't go to bed hungry. There's enough food in this country to feed everybody. Please visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank for ways to help. Every dollar you donate helps provide eight meals for kids like me, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we are Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. My guest for this part of today's show is Jed Diamond, who's the author of The Enlightened Marriage, The Five Transformative Stages of Relationships and Why the Best is Still to Come. Jed, thanks for joining us. Well, it's good to be with you. Tell us a little bit about what it is about marriages and relationships that just for some reason doesn't seem built to last. Or at least it doesn't seem that way. You're going to tell us that there's more to it than there than than what seems, but why is it that we have this idea that they're not built to last? Well, I, I think that's because so many of us have had experiences that we we planned for a lifetime of marital bliss, and it didn't didn't work out that way. I know I was one of the people. I've been a marriage and family counselor for more than 40 years, and I thought I was immune to that kind of thing. I thought I had all the answers, but... Uh, my first marriage uh, ended after 10 years, and 
had two kids that uh, we then raised uh, not living together and got married again, thought this was it, and that marriage didn't work out. So I really, before I, before I tried again, I really wanted to figure out uh, how can marriages last. I, I've been teaching people what should work, but it didn't seem to be working in my own life. So yeah. that really was then the beginning of my trying to figure it out. Felt like I'd finally gotten some answers and met my wife, Carlin, and she and I have been together now for 38 years. So I feel like we learned some things, and a lot of then what we learned I shared in the Enlightened Marriage book. Right. Well, I, I want to read something, Rhett, from the introduction, which I thought was very intriguing, and I want to tie that back to your your life as well. Uh, it starts off like this. I don't love you anymore. I'm not sure I ever did. I'm moving out. The kids will understand. Now, when Laura Munson heard these words from her husband of 20 years, she did a very strange thing. She didn't cry. She didn't protest. She didn't fight back. She simply decided not to believe him. She made a commitment to us and refused to let her husband's midlife changes destroy what they had built together. So I'm, I'm, I read that and I'm thinking about what you just said about your marriage is not working out. Do you look back and think, hmm, maybe if I would have done something differently, those could have worked out, or are, would they never have worked out? Well, it, it's a good question, and obviously it's hard to know what might have been if you had been wiser. Sure. <laughs> what yeah. choices we might have taken had we known now or then what we know now. Um, but I, I, I think the, and the reason I, I use Laura's experience in the intro is that I think so many of us have views of marriage that are, are not realistic. You know, some of them are the romantic, everything's going to be wonderful, we'll live happily ever after, and then when difficulties arise, we're, we're really not prepared for it, and we think something's wrong, and I think many people bail out of relationships before they would need to if they really understood more realistically what what marriage really was about and how to have the kind of relationships that really can last through time. And those are, I think, some of the, the navigation that we were able to figure out and try to understand really what marriage was about and how we can you know, with this added knowledge, have the kind of relationships that we all would like to have. All right. So give us a quick overview of what the five stages of marriage are, and then we'll get into at least a couple of them. Okay. So part of the problem is, I think, that uh, when we reflect back, and this is certainly true for me and I think for a lot of people, that we have a view that if we think about marriage stages at all, we really think of two stages. We're, we're familiar with the first one, uh, I call it falling in love, and, uh, you know, that's where, you, you know, you finally find that person that just feels like this is it, and we have that crazy head over heels experience, and we can't sleep, and this is absolutely the passionate partner for me. And then we understand if we then make a commitment and get married or move ahead that that isn't going to last forever. And then we know about stage two, which I call um, building a life together. And that's the stage where we, you know, we settle in and our career is going, hopefully, and we begin to think about and then have children. And then, the, you know, the view is, and then we live happily ever after. <laughs> uh, 
And whether we think of it that way, that's kind of the belief. You meet, you know, Prince Charming or uh, Sleeping Beauty or whatever our image of finding that magical someone. You build a life, live happily ever after. And the first clue that I got, which I didn't understand at the time, that that wasn't what it was about, is my, my first wife and I had gone to hear the renowned psychologist Carl Rogers. And this was in his latter days, shortly before he died. And he was talking about marriage. And at the time, he and his wife had been married something like 58 years. And he was obviously an older man. And he was kind of reminiscing, you know, a kind of a little side tour as he was talking about, here's what you need to know about marriage. And he kind of was saying, yeah, you know, remember, he's saying to his wife, Helen, there was that rough spell that we had. And I thought to myself, rough spell? He's the expert. How, you know, how could he have a rough spell? You know, we were young, my wife and I just getting started. And I was amazed that, you know, a renowned yeah. psychologist who's talking about marriage could have had some rough time. Then he went on to say something that was even more hard to understand, which was, he said, yeah, you know, that, was that 12 to 15 years where things were really hard. And his wife kind of nodded, yeah, oh, boy, <laughs> yeah, those were, those were pretty tough years. Boy, and that's a depressing thing. 15 years that you had hard times, and we're just getting started. I couldn't imagine having hard times at all. And if we did, you know, maybe a week or two, and you certainly, if you had a hard time for more than a year, you'd, dang, I'm out of here. That's, so I, I began to see maybe hard times are part of the long-term relationship didn't understand that at the time did later and that's where we got into not just two stages but actually five stages of a marriage including stage three which we call disillusionment which is where often the hard times begin to happen right and that's that's apparently where a lot of people just call it quits right there exactly what you said is is i would say mildly depressing to some people who have heard that to say oh you mean there may be a stage where we're going to have 12 really unpleasant years which have come could come on the heels of you know, what maybe a year or two years of joy and bliss yeah or more i mean uh, yeah hopefully often, more but yeah you know our, our you know, hit after, you know, six, seven years, that seven-year itch period. But I think there's two things that I, I think are important to say. One is, if you understand that there are going to be hard times, that it isn't, and they lived happily ever after, you can head off a lot of the, you know, the difficult times, number one. Secondly, the difficult times, if we see them as having a different meaning than what most of us begin to feel, which is disillusionment, meaning I've made the wrong choice, or the marriage is not happening the way it's supposed to, that I picked the wrong person, or they were great at the beginning, but somehow, you know, my husband's changed, or my wife is not the wife I married. And that's where we then conclude that we need to leave. Now, if we understand the meaning of stage three. I, I think of this marriage, not the the sweetness and light and they lived happily ever after, but more like a hero's journey, you know, where you go through some dark nights of the soul and you have to fight some battles and some dragons and some, you know, some, some challenges 
and you kind of go down in you know in the darkness but if you see marriage as that kind of a hero's journey that kind of a vision quest then that time has meaning and that's where i really developed you know in my own life and shared then what is the meaning of this stage three disillusionment that if we understand it we can navigate that more successfully and then get to stage four which i call real lasting love which is pretty wonderful again and then an even fifth stage which is even better where we fall in love again and we can actually recapture some of that that in love head over heels feeling that we had when we were young only now in a marriage that's lasted you know 20 30 40 years talking with Jed Diamond, who's the author of The Enlightened Marriage, The Five Transformative Stages of Relationships and Why the Best is Still to Come. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep talking to Jed. When I have an asthma attack, I feel scared. It's like tiny nails in the air poke my lungs. I start to cough. Sometimes I, my parents have to take me to the hospital. Today, one out of 13 children suffer from some form of asthma accounting for nearly one-third of all emergency room visits. I feel like I'm choking. It's kind of like an elephant is on my chest. A little whistle sound comes out when I breathe. But while your child may suffer from asthma, asthma doesn't have to make your child suffer. There are simple ways you can prevent your child's next attack. To learn more, call 1-866-NO-ATTACKS. That's 1-866-662-8822. Log on to www.noattacks.org or call your doctor, because even one attack is one too many. I feel like a fish with no water. Brought to you by the EPA, the Ad Council, and this station. You must be your fairy godmother. Yes. It doesn't take a fairy godmother to tell you that the right fit means everything. Good heavens, child. You can't go in that. Children under four foot nine need to be in a booster seat because they aren't ready for adult safety belts alone. Many parents miss the important step of booster seats. Maybe you better explain things to him. Booster seats raise your child up so that a safety belt designed for adults will fit and protect them properly. Oh. That does make a difference. Remember that four foot nine is the magic number. And get your little pumpkin there safely <laughs> in a booster seat. Hop it, my dear. Oh, thank you. And like Cinderella, you can live happily ever after. It's like a dream. A wonderful dream come true. For more information, visit boosterseat.gov. This has been a message from the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. If you're just joining us, I'm Armand Brott, talking with Jed Diamond, the author of The Enlightened Marriage, Five Transformative Stages of Relationships and Why the Best is Still to Come. So, Jed, let's talk a little bit about, you know, I think we probably the the most effective use of of our time here is going to be to talk about the the difficult parts of of marriage, not all the the things Mm -hmm. that make it so wonderful, because hopefully we've been in situations where we know how wonderful it is. So how does this disillusionment phase begin? I mean, is it is it, you know, one of these things where you look at the person that you were so in love with and all those quirky facial looks and different kinds of things that you thought were so lovable, all of a sudden you realize, I don't like that anymore. Is is that where it starts or how, how does it begin? Well, I think in my experience and I think the experience of 
a lot of people is it starts with children. <laughs> Not only our, our, our child self and our, our past starts to bubble to the surface, but when we have children of our own. You know, I've got now five children between my present wife and I. We had myself and my first wife had two children. And what we know is, you know, children are tough. You know, that's part of, I think, what nobody quite understands when we're young and planning our family is how difficult it is in this modern world to raise children. And some of the problem, I think, is that the the world of social supports that has been part of child-rearing through much of human history and extended families and communities that were tight and stayed together, we've lost a lot of that. So as a result, when you have two people often that now are trying to raise a couple of kids without strong extended family and other supports and community, it really is beyond what many people can do. And so in many ways we break down under the pressures of family and work and, you know, a lot of the stresses in society so that when we hit this, this difficult time, we have a tendency to blame our partner. You know, we don't realize, you know, that we, you know, the, this feeling of I should be able to handle all this. I mean, I should be able to be a parent and I should be able to, you know, do my job in the world and I should have time for my partner and time for myself. And so I think in some ways we really try to do too much and we have, again, an unrealistic expectation. So the disillusionment often gets projected onto our partner. You know, it must be something the wrong with them. Right. And I hear it with, from a man's side, because I work a lot with men, you know, they'll have all kinds of, of things they're saying about their wives. My wife is this, or she's not that, or she's not giving me this. And in the course of the therapy that I do, you know, I, I have a little shorthand that they come to see is that the problem isn't with your wife. The problem is your life. And it's really life that's not working. And if we can help you get your life more manageable right. and stop blaming your partner, of course, this works with women as well. Let's go back a little bit to the expectations part of thing, though. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it can, as you're you're talking about all this, I'm I'm thinking, well, how is it that people have the expectation that they would be able to all of a sudden handle kids? I mean, unless you're in a, a second relationship or a third relationship or something mm-hmm. where you've had that, especially the first time around, we have no idea how right. how it's going to affect your life. And and I mean, I've heard the. Some it was a wonderful quote that years ago that I tell the guys in my expecting fathers class about as a woman was asked to describe the difference between the way having a kid was going to be everybody talked to her the way that it was and the way that it actually turned out to be and she said oh it's like the difference between uh, you know watching a tornado on TV and then having one tear the roof off your house <laughs> so yeah. you know it's it's that you think well oh how hard could it be the kid's a little kid it's going to be the two of us together and we'll watch this beautiful child grow up but. We have no idea how that's going to hit you. Well, that's that's right, and and I, I think it's part of the uh, change that's gone in society, where we really have fewer social supports than many of us had in earlier periods of of human history, and times where communities were more tight knit, and there were other social supports. I mean, I know when I grew up, all the neighbors were like surrogate parents. 
you, you know, everybody parented, you know, the thing it takes a village, and I think there's some truth to that. And we don't have that now, but we don't realize what's been lost. You know, it's more invisible so that when the tough times come, we, we really don't expect it. We, we didn't see it coming in many cases, and we don't know what to do. And often, as I said, we, we tend to think the problem is our mate, and maybe if I could get out of the relationship or start over, or, and we, we both underestimate you know, how healthy it could be if we could work things out, and we, we think things will, will be a lot easier if we became single parents and I didn't have all this hassle and I'd be a better parent to my son's right. daughter, whatever. And then we find out often, hey, it's really hard being single parents, and the kids get even more difficult when they don't have, you know, fathers and mothers together. So often we mm -hmm. jump out of the frying pan into the fire, and what I've been trying to do and what I've been teaching for, you know, the last 40-plus years is how we can really go through all these five stages and hopefully keep our families intact and not go through the divorces and separations right. that are, you know, devastating so many families in yeah. our society well, let's, today. Let's talk about some of the specifics there, about how it is that we can recognize that you're in this disillusionment phase and then take some steps to repair it, to make it so that it doesn't cripple the relationship or end the relationship, but that we can use, use it as a tool to move forward. How do you do right. that? What are you teaching people in your, in your practice? Well, the, the first thing is, is kind of a, a change in the story we're telling ourselves. One, if you assume there's only two stages, the falling in love, building a marriage, and we lived happily ever after, then when things don't start working well, we assume something's wrong. So the first thing is a subtle just being able to say, hey, you know what? It can be really tough. That's, that's part of the deal. It isn't you know, happily ever after all the time. So that helps, just letting people know, you know what? Your your relationship is not a problemed relationship. It's actually pretty normal. Uh, so step two, then, is given that a lot of people have been through this, if we then teach you some tools for how do you deal in stage three, how do you, in fact, change the focus from my spouse is the problem to We've got some things to work out together and with some support and guidance, whether it's therapy, support groups, or just more informally you know, reading books and learning new things, we can develop some of the skills to work through these stages. So those are the, you know, the beginning stages. And then once people start seeing things can get better, we, this downward spiral that so many people get caught in begins to reverse and you start saying ah things can get better yeah well, we can solve these things oh i do need more supports and i guess i got to bring in a larger support system and you know the men getting in men's groups and women mm -hmm. getting in women's groups and parenting groups and you know there's a lot of things that we once we know the problem isn't me or you right. we can develop a larger social support system mm -hmm. now, is part of this do you think a recognition of the the changing role that at the very beginning you have a tendency to want to spend all of your time with somebody and to look at this person as your best friend and and everything but you know 
at a certain point, I think more mature people realize, well, you know, this person can't sol- can't be everything to me. That right. I have to have different friends for different tor- different types of purposes. It seems like that's a, an important realization to hit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we found that my, like I say, my wife and I've been together for thirty-seven years, and it's not, I think, by chance that I've been in a men's group that's been meeting regularly for thirty-eight years, and my wife and I both talk about. And she's been in women's groups that being able to have other people in our lives that we're very close to and that we can love and get support from really has allowed us to develop and deepen our love in a way that we hadn't in our early relationships where we didn't have those other supports. We just thought, I'm in love with you. It's me and you against the world. We don't need anything but each other. And then we find out we need more than we're able to get from each other. Exactly. Jed Diamond's the author of The Enlightened Marriage, The Five Transformative Stages of Relationships and Why the Best is Still to Come. Jed, thanks so much. Great to have you. Hey, is that a faucet running? Nope, that's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. It is? Yeah. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. The water comes straight from the forest to us. In fact... What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. How do trees clean the air? They soak up the dirty air on their leaves, branches, and trunks, which means clean air for us. Hmm, cool. I didn't know that. Yep, but the forest does more than give us clean air and water. It gives us shade for hot days, birds to listen to, and trees to climb. Wow. That's awesome. I didn't know how cool the forest could be. Hey, let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armand Brott, and it's time for a Parents at Play segment. Just about everyone, young, old, and everything in between, is fascinated by magic especially the kind that involves transforming objects from one thing into another. This week, we take a look at a number of terrific family activities that do exactly that, whether it's changing a ten of clubs into a ten of hearts, a bunch of powdered ingredients into delicious cupcakes, or a locked safe into an unlocked one. Magic, silver edition from Thames and Cosmos. Long before Harry Potter and his friends at Hogwarts took over the world, kids and adults wished they could conjure things out of nowhere and make them vanish again, turn apples into oranges, and make objects float in air. With this kit, you'll be able to perform jaw-dropping feats of magic that will captivate and delight your audience. It comes with props and instructions to do a hundred tricks. Knots in one rope jump to another, a wand levitates, coins pass through objects and disappear, a small pile of sugar turns into a sugar cube, and a lot more. The kit comes with a nicely illustrated 72-page instruction manual, but there are also 26 online video tutorials so your budding Houdini can see the tricks actually being performed. If you like the silver edition, there are several larger sets for 150 and 200 tricks. They are for ages 8 and up, cost about 21 bucks at many retailers, or thamesandcosmos.com. The Ultimate Baking Starter Set from Real Cooking. This well-designed, kid-friendly kit comes with real kitchen tools that make cooking fun and a lot less messy. 
It includes two non-spilled bowls, measuring cups, a whisk, a pastry bag with tip, spatula, 16 silicon cupcake liners, a one-touch egg cracker that eliminates the need to fish around in the yolk to remove pieces of shell, and most of the ingredients to make eight magical tuxedo cupcakes and eight sprinkle surprise cupcakes. Of course, you'll have to provide the eggs, butter, and milk, but you wouldn't want those things to come in a box anyway, right? It's for ages six and up, but only with adult supervision, because you'll need to use a real oven to bake those treats. Costs about $45 at retailers everywhere, or more information is at realcookingkids.com. The Electronic Safe Breaker from Yulu. When this battery-operated safe closes, the combination is set to a random number. Players pick a card and turn the combination locked to the number on the card. They then use the fingerprint scanner to test the number. If it's correct, the safe opens and releases some coins. If it's not, the player uses the spy stethoscope to get a private audio hint. A high beep means the actual combination is higher than the card played. A low beep means it's lower. Be the first to open the safe, and you get the coins. The most coins wins, of course, but beware of the alarm coin, which means you'll have to put all of your treasure back into the safe. The game combines equal parts deductive reasoning and luck and will be fun for two to four players ages six and up. You can find out more at yulutoys.com. You'll find reviews of many, many, many more toys and games that you can do with your family at our website, parentsatplay.com. We'll be back next week with another brand new positive parenting show. Until then, I'm Armin Broad. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at MrDad.com. While you're there, visit the MrDad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the MrDad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.